Rule Focus. Hello there to you and welcome to another Rule Focus podcast. Boy, oh boy, hasn't it been another busy week? We're only going to get busy with, well, a few weeks away from the big harvest here in WA. Hopefully you're getting yourselves ready for that. Very soon we're going to catch up with d scientist in John Paul Collins. There is a big field day happening in Katanning. Uh, next week, the 27th of October. So we're going to chat to John Paul Collins about that. We'll chat to Joe from GRDC. Plenty of things happening there. And are you looking to go carbon farming? Well, let's catch in and see what's happening with the team at Native Carbon. It's time right now to say hello to David Lilford. David, hello there to you, mate. Good morning, Troy. Hey, um, well, my view personally is I'm, I'm pretty excited about it because I think it's the first time uh, a government has put you know, a value or you know, soon to be a value on a positive environmental product. You know, I think it gives farmers and everyone opportunity to sort of capitalise on yeah, environmental projects. Well, the farmers and the environment, I'm sure in the long run, they'll benefit from all of this really, wouldn't they? Well, I'd hope so. I'd like <laughs> to think so. I mean, it's, it's not about tying up good farmland with, you know, plantings or environmental projects. It's about how can those sort of projects complement a farmer's mm. land or non-productive land or maybe salt-affected land. Like, how how can they look at it and go, okay, well, this this portion or these hectares over here may not be as productive for cropping. What else can I do with it? And all of a sudden now there's a mechanism and incentive to, you know, obviously carbon's an option, but also carbon plus biodiversity is, is sort of a, a double whammy. Um, and I think it provides a good opportunity for regional WA. Would it mean more jobs for regional WA, Dave? Oh, absolutely. Like we've come off the back of planting uh, about 2,000 mm. hectares this year. And I think that would have contributed between not like, sort of 20 and 30 jobs regionally to, to pull that off um, and that's just a small sample of you know what's what's available out there as non-productive farmland so um, I think over the next decade the UN the United Nations are calling it the decade of restoration uh, worldwide and I think it certainly ties into that and what we'll see is a kind of restoration economy is a term being bandied around at the moment all these sort of new uh, businesses will evolve from the need to sort of restore um, on the back of climate change global warming um, and carbon, I suppose. So why will native plants, say, improve some regional land here, David? Well, I think in some cases, you know, historically, we've probably overcleared certain portions of land, mm. um, land that perhaps w- wasn't really ideally, you know, productive farmland or potentially to be productive farmland to begin with. We've got some salinity issues in the wheat belt, which people know about. So I think native plants, you know, have adapted over thousands of years to those sort of regions. We can put them back. But it's not going to be a quick fix easy, and it's not just as simple as planting trees. So to get biodiversity credits, encourage biodiversity, we want a range of species, plant species, but it's also about incorporating or providing habitats for, you know, natural animals, insects, wildlife to come back in as well. That all creates the biodiversity. But it's, it's, as I said, it's not a simple fix because a lot of these regional areas that are quite degraded, there's not a lot of vegetation there. So it has to be a really strategic approach and going, okay, well, what will grow here? Work in collaboration with someone who knows what's, what will, will perform. Have a long-term approach, say three, five years, collect seed, propagate seedlings, plant the areas, provide weed management, pest control. So it's, it's a big project. It shouldn't yeah. be sort of taken lightly, but um, it will get a good result if done properly. The Prime Minister did say late last week too, mate, that uh, they will be consulting widely on the detailed rules for the scheme. Would you uh, 
be a part of those conversations? Yeah, I'd love to be a part yeah. of that because I think it's got to be a real measurable environmental benefit. You know, you, you can't have people doing, you know, a half, half-assed half job basically <laughs> yeah, at it. We, yeah. we, we want something, you know, tangible and long-term sustainable. Uh, as you said, you've just finished planting a, a stack of trees around the Mora area. Where to next, mate? Um, not quite sure yet. Okay. Uh, I do believe there's, there's quite a bit of uh, land up that region that, you know, is, is quite marginal. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. There's a big program. Keen to work with people longer term, as I mentioned before, to take a, like a strategic approach and go, okay, well, what, what, do you, what does a farmer need or yep. what does this area need? How can we work in collaboratively and not... You know, for the longer term benefits, not just come in there and and do tree planting. It's it's about it's more than that. Are you hearing from WA farmers about wanting to do carbon planting? Yeah, I had a had a chat with a carbon consultant last week. Some are obviously very skeptical about yeah, yeah. the thing and have been burnt in the past by tree planting programs and so on, which is understandable. There are people who are looking at it from a business point of view and going, okay, well, you know, I've got ten thousand hectares from the bigger farms. Going, well, how? What do I need to do? What What makes sense longer term for for my business? What will provide a return? And I think that's an exciting opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you and the team there at Native Carbon, mate, uh, how are things? Tracking along for you. Yes, yeah, it's all, all good. We've had a busy season. We've had good good rainfall. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, for establishing the seedlings we have planted this year, 1.2 million plants in the ground so far. Next year, I think we'll be bigger and better. Um, but we're actually going into sort of seed picking, processing time now. So spring and summer is when a lot of the, the seed ripens in the bush. So we'll need to get out there, find that remnant vegetation, particularly in the wheat belt, and, and start trying to collect some seed for storage for future projects. So plenty on the go. So for the farmers out there, mate, they want to speak to you more about Carbon Project. Uh, can they do that? Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to answer any questions. Just jump on the website, nativecarbon.com.au, which is N-A-T-I-V, carbon.com.au, and um, they can reach us through there, Troy, and happy to have a chat. David Lawfitz from Native Carbon, mate. Uh, thanks for your time, and uh, hopefully we hear a little bit more about this going forward. Excellent. Thanks, Troy. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you and other goods and services may be available. Always a pleasure on Rural Focus to catch up with one of the team from GRDC that we are doing this morning. Joe Wheeler is with me. Joe, good morning there to you. How are you going, Troy? Not bad. Now, I believe uh, some farmers here in WA about a month or so ago, they, they went to Horsham over there in Victoria to look at the hybrid canola seed production. How did all that go for them? That went, it was really, really good. So we had some really good grower feedback. So the elders crew from Cranbrook decided that um, there's a lot of interest in how um, canola seed um, and supply is impacting on WA growers. So um, the elders crew decided that they should take some growers over to actually see um, and understand how canola seed is produced. So we had 15 or so growers um, from the Cranbrook area go over to Horsham and they caught up with Newseed and BASF, um, had a look at how the hybrid canola seed is actually created and how long it takes to get from the beginning of a variety to the um, one that's actually available to growers. So yeah, they had a great insight into yeah. the industry. Yeah, and I believe uh, some of the farmers too gained a, a 
brand new appreciation for hybrid canola. Yeah, so there was some, like, it's really interesting how um, canola seed is actually bred and how intense that breeding process is and then how you actually get your seed from a male and then a female and they get the cross and then that F1 is what is actually available to growers in the next year. So the canola that's available to growers for um, 2023, Mm. you know, has to be grown in 2022 and um, that's what some of the issues are with actually getting that seed into WA in the year that they want to do it. And then like they actually learned about F2 and how the um, because it's a hybrid and mm. F2 is that next generation on um, and how it doesn't actually perform as it did, does originally when it's an F1 hybrid. So a lot of people actually found that really, really interesting about what the reasons are between the different um generations, the F1 and the F2, and why um, seed companies actually discourage growers from retaining their hybrid seed. And they also taught a pathology as well there, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So they went to see Steve Marcroft at Marcroft Grain Pathology, and he's, um, he's done some great work on blackleg. And we do have a video on our, um, he did a great GRDC research updates discussion at the beginning of this year which people can find on our past events website as well and yeah it's really good understanding about our upper canopy black leg infection for um, canola um, and he's a great font of knowledge and they went and saw Intergrain and talked about grain and then they went to one of the growers who hosts an MVP site as well. So Joe, how was the study tour arranged here? So it's a, a joint venture with the growers yep. and GRDC, and I think they this tour actually had some input from um, New Seed and BASF as well. But we've got an application opening now for the 31st of October, so growers and advisors can now do it online. Okay. Um, and the portal, the Grains Investment Portal is the place to go, um, or the GRDC website, and the links are all there. So from the 31st of October, we're, um, it's open for anybody to actually arrange this sort of study tour for growers and advisors. It's a 50-50 sort of arrangement, so 50% up to 50% from GRDC and yep. then the other um, growers are expected to provide their own um, input as well. Yeah, and but they can go and see any sort of area that they're interested and we think um, what they're going to actually understand and the research that they could be able to bring back on farm. And yeah, it's, it's a really, really good opportunity to get off farm and actually see how other people do farming. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. It sort of uh, brings back more information for, for WA farmers. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I know that um, the Cranbrook yeah. elders, um, people are really up for chatting about what um, they learnt um, there as well. So I'm sure if people are really interested in that hybrid seed, um, canola seed discussion, then I'm sure the people at Cam- um, Cranbrook will be able to help out. So, yeah, it is part of the tours that we expect people to come back and actually tell everyone else yeah. what, what they found absolutely. so that we can yeah. spread the world. Yeah, the absolutely. That sounds like it was a well-received one anyway there, Joe. Yeah, yeah definitely absolutely. of interest yeah, <laughs> around absolutely, yeah. WA. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, how are things going there at GRDC? Oh, it's really good. So we've um, just been processing all of our NGN forum 
issues and opportunities. So we're looking to um, into what we can do to help growers on the ground. Well, get in contact with GRDC today if you are wanting to know more. GRDC.com.au is the website. Joe Wheeler from GRDC. Thanks for your time today, Joe. Thank you so much, Troy. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you and other goods and services may be available. Well, next Thursday, the Yardstick Field Day will be held out at the Catanning Research Station, getting underway there from one o'clock next Thursday afternoon. And to chat about it, Deeperb Research Scientist John Paul Collins has joined me this morning. John Paul, good morning, mate. Good morning, Troy. How are you? Not too bad. And, uh, well, this will certainly assist Merino sheep producers going forward. It will. So we've got a field day at our Catanning Research Station uh, next Thursday on the 27th of October, yep. and it features our long-running yardstick uh, merino sire evaluation trial. I believe 12 merino rams are currently participating in the national project, is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yep. So we're, we're one of uh, 10 sites scattered across Australia. And the way the trial works is we work in partnership with um, stud breeders. Mm-hmm. And so stud breeders can nominate one of their uh, top sires to participate in the trial. And we um, record the breeding performance of that sire okay. by um, evaluating his progeny um, and the expressed traits relative to the progeny of other sires. So a lot of data is collected from birth all the way through to hoggett shearing. So for those who are going to uh, the field day there at Catanning uh, next week, mate, will they be able to get some data of that from this? Oh, that's right. So we'll have um, pen cards um, yep. on display. So we'll have the, the 2021 drop hoggett progeny from each sire group on display and, and all of the data will be available on the pen cards. So we um, did some pre-shearing classing okay. about a month ago. Yep. We took some uh, mid-side samples. So we'll have, have things like micron standard deviation, uh, coefficient of variation, staple strength, um, so all the wool measurements. We'll also have um, growth measurements like the, the weaning, post-weaning, okay. yep. uh, yearling weights, and, and also a range of visual traits that are collected uh, by a independent classer, so things like uh, fleece rot, uh, dust penetration, uh, wrinkle, dag score, um, that sort of thing. And how were the uh, the hoggets themselves, mate? Were they re- were they in pretty good shape? Uh, they were. We've yeah. had quite a good season. Yeah. So um, the hoggets were in uh, fairly good condition, um, an average of about 55 kilos um, body weight, and we're expecting some good uh, greasy fleece weights come <laughs> shearing. So we'll actually be shearing the hoggett okay. uh, the day after the field day, and we'll be collecting a, a greasy fleece weight on each um, animal, and then yep. we'll work out the, the average for each uh, progeny group All for right. each sire. Now, if uh, our farmers out there are wanting to know more about the Yardstick Field Day next week with you and the team there, mate, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? They can just contact um, our Catanning um, Office of Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development on 982133333 and, and we can send out some information. All right. So, uh, yeah, don't forget about that field day next Thursday afternoon from uh, from 1pm out there in Catanning. Deeperb Research Scientist John Paul Collins. Mate, thanks for your time today. Good luck next week. No problem. Thanks very much, Troy. Hey, that is it for today's edition of the Rural Focus podcast here on the Listener App. But I wanted to leave you with something special today because, uh, well, the team at the Regional Men's Health Initiative, they're always talking about talk to a mate message, which goes from strength to strength. Well, now they've put it to a song. This will get your toe tapping, let me tell you that. The Talk to the Mate single was put together by the words that encapsulate 
their talk to a mate message. It was written and it's sung by their very own resident muso and community educator, the one, the only, Glenn Duncan. So without further ado, let's hand you over to Glenn Duncan and the boys. Here they are doing their song, Talk to a Mate. I think you're going to enjoy. Life's piling up for him, there's something new each day. He don't know what to do And he don't know what to say It's okay to feel the pain To show you care as well It's not a sign of weakness To say you need some help Talk to a mate Just let him No, sir. 